Let's pray together. Precious Father, help us, Lord. Lord, I cry out to you that, Lord, you will speak to the hearts of your people. That, Father, you will encourage them in the battles that surround them in life. Spiritual forces of wickedness have encamped around us, and Lord, they seek to destroy. Help us, Father, to be strong in faith and weak in fear. Lord, I pray that God, you just be the lifter of our heads and fix them, our eyes upon our mighty Savior, our mighty God, Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray that you would glorify your name. I pray that, Father, you would do these things for your name's sake. And certainly not simply because I ask. Father, I acknowledge that I am nothing apart from you. So Lord, I ask that you speak for me tonight. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen. Well, I want you to take your Bibles tonight and turn to one of my favorite psalms. It's uh, Psalm 27. Now, we have been to Psalm 27 before. Uh, we have looked at Psalm 27, I know, as an entire unit, uh, trying to look and see... Um, how David can make the absolutely astounding comments in the first few verses. And I have taught you that everything in that psalm, it's like a triangle. Everything else is like the base that goes up to the, to the point being those first few verses. And all of that is like foundational to David being able to say what he says in those verses. Uh, tonight... I want to zero in on and settle in two verses out of that psalm. And that would be verses, verse number 5 and verse number 6. And really verse number 5, but connecting verse 5 to verse 6. So uh, let's, let's read verse 5 and verse 6 of Psalm 27 tonight. For he will hide me... In the shelter, in his shelter, in the day of trouble. He will conceal me under the cover of his tent. He will lift me high upon a rock. And now my head shall be lifted up above my enemies all around me. 
And I will offer in his tent sacrifices with shouts of joy. I will sing and make melody to the Lord. This is God's holy word. Now, those two verses are packed full of stuff. It's dripping with all kinds of good stuff there as we look at it. Um, And this particular truth that are here, I think, will help foster faith when we're facing all kinds of foes, all kinds of enemies without that are that are trying to um, nullify our faith and increase our fear and thus neutralize our ability to bring glory to God in our daily lives. Um, And so uh, as, as we look at this particular song, we find David contextually is is facing a host of enemies. Um, just like you and I do. Enemies within, enemies without. We face enemies. Listen to the descriptive words that David uses to describe his precarious situation. Listen, and this is in the verses above it to give you context. In verse 2, he refers to evildoers. They were assailing him to eat up his flesh, he says. He faced in verse 2, adversaries and foes. In verse 3, an army, an entire army was encamped against him and war rose up against him. Verse number 11, he has many enemies. And in verse 12, there are false witnesses that are breathing out violence against him. Yet in the midst of all that David faced, in the midst of everything that he faced, he, he was determined not to crumble in fear or to be afraid if you went back up to verses 1 and 2. He wasn't going to submit to that. He would be confident as he talks about in verse number 3. When you look there and you see that, he would be strong and courageous and wait for the Lord. But how? Well, I, I want to suggest to you that, that here in the verses that we read, that we find where he was, I, I think, resting in some covenant relational, some, some covenant facts, some things that are realities because of his relationship with Yahweh God, with Almighty God, with our, with our, for us it would be with God through our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And he's resting in these things, things that would f- foster faith and, and help us to rest in faith and, and fight against the fears that the enemies of our soul are trying to press in on us and among us. So now let's let's connect Psalm 27 with you, with me, with Valdosta Baptist Church. You see, we may not be facing may not be surrounded by a little army like David perhaps was. 
But we have scores of enemies that surround us. We see in the spirit realm, there are demonic forces of evil. Spiritual forces of evil that are working against us to try and undermine and neutralize our faith. Trying to prevent us from walking in the promises of God. To try and cripple us and keep us from walking in the purposes of God. To hinder that. To get us off track. To And they're, they're working day and night. They are relentless in coming against us. And they come against us so often trying to produce fear in our hearts and our lives. And fear can only dominate where faith is minimized. They, they don't coexist too well. They are opposites, so to speak. And so their target is our faith. Their immediate goal is fear producing lies. And the more our hearts are filled with fears and the more our faith is minimized, the more, the more we are prone to sin. Because if you remember from Romans 14, all uh, it talks about in Romans 14 how whatever is not of faith, not granted faith, is sin. So we must be careful. We're simply pawns in their true plan were simply a means by which they hoped to achieve their primary objective. And the strategic goal of this dark army that we face is to bring about disgrace on the name of the great name of Jesus. And you and I are simply the means through which they hope to accomplish this diabolical goal. You remember Peter, the night that Jesus was taken into custody. You, you, you remember prior to that, prior to his denial of knowing the master, Jesus said, Simon Peter, he said, Satan desires to sift you like wheat. And of course, he wasn't just talking to Peter because in the Greek, the you is plural. He was really talking to all the disciples. He said, Satan desires to sift you all like wheat. But Jesus says, I've prayed for you. That your what wouldn't fail? Your faith. Why, why would he pray that your faith wouldn't fail? Because in that attack, the object to try and hinder, to try and destroy, was faith. Was faith. And thank the Lord, Peter's faith wasn't destroyed. Matter of fact, none of the disciples' faith was destroyed except one, and he was the devil from the start who never truly had faith. And that was Judas. But the key in this, this battle that we find ourselves facing against spiritual forces of wickedness, the key in this battle is the truth. You shall know the truth, Jesus said, and the truth will set you free. And I would tell you it will set you free from the bondage of the satanic lies that we so easily believe. It's they whisper they will whisper. There are spiritual forces of wickedness that whisper thoughts into your mind. They will whisper thoughts and they'll even put it in the first person to where you think you thought it. 
they're slick and they're sly. And so oftentimes when you think you've thought a thought, you'll own the thought, and the next thing you know, you'll be taken by the thought. Wow. The key is the truth, and the light of the Lord exposes the lies of darkness. David, in Psalm 27, is making some connections between the light of the Lord and the truth, um, and the lie of fear. Listen again, I'll remind you of verses 1 and 2 of Psalm 27, and then we're going to get into 5 and 6 tonight. But he says this, he says, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Though an army encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war rise up against me, yet I will be confident. Why will he not fear? Why will he be confident with an enemy that is surrounding him? Why is that? It is because the light of the truth was coming on and showing what's reality. You understand, 99% of the fears that, the, that, that we deal with, all of the fears that the enemy produces in our lives, they do not reflect reality. They don't. But the light of the truth exposes the deception of the lie so that we can see it rightly and perceive it rightly. Because what you see or what you think you see is not always right. And sometimes we need the light of truth to shine in on it. Do you remember 2 Kings chapter 6? Verses 11 through 19, do you remember the experience of Elisha? To the natural eye, it looked as if the Syrian army had encamped around them and were going to destroy them. That's what they saw, but that wasn't reality. The light of the revelation of the Lord came on and opened their eyes and there was a host of fiery chariots there. That was reality. Okay? And so... Faith doesn't always crumble by what you see with the physical eyes. Nevertheless, demons will come. And they will announce to your spirit, I am a roaring lion. That's what Peter says of the devil. Your enemy, the devil, roameth about like a roaring lion. Um, but... The truth says he's not a roaring lion. He's only like a roaring lion. The truth says Jesus is the lion of the tribe of Judah. Right? So I think I would rest in the lion of the tribe of Judah and not tremble at one who's just acting like a lion. Because he'll lie to your spirit. He tries to deceive. He tries to, to, to pretend now, the word of truth, the light of the Lord, is filled with lie-exposing truth. It's, a, it's the sword of the Spirit. It's our offensive weapon. And tonight, we're going to take up the sword of the Spirit, specifically verse number, uh, ver, I mean, Psalm 27. We're going to take it up. I want us to savor verse 5 and verse 6, primarily verse 5. And there, I want you to see three, faith-fostering, fear-fighting, truths here. Okay, so let's look at the text. What are some covenant truths that we ought to see and take hope in tonight? 
Well, the first thing I want you to see in verse 5, and just going down the logic of, of the verse here, is that there is a place of shelter for you and me. There is a place of shelter for you and me who belong to the Lord. Listen, the world may be falling apart around us. It may seem like our lives are in shambles. But in the midst of it all, there is a place of shelter. There is a place of shelter for you and for me. And this is a beautiful covenant truth. Well, listen to what he says. He says, of the Lord, he says, He will hide me in the shelter, His shelter, in the day of trouble. Why is that? Because the Lord is His light and His salvation. Because the Lord is the stronghold of His life, like what He said up in, in verses 1 and 2. David was fully convinced that although an army surrounds him, he would find shelter in the Lord in the midst of that trouble. God has a place of shelter for His child all the days of His life. Do you believe that, children of God? He has a place of shelter that follows us all the days of our life until the appointed time of our deaths. You see, I should have died in 1995 when an 18-wheeler T-boned my car. And I was in a coma for several days. I should have died then. But the Lord said no. He, he kept me in the shelter. He hid me in a shelter, in His shelter. Though I had a traumatic brain injury, no comment. Um, not a bone in my body was broken. Car was total. Seatbelt wasn't on. But the Lord hid me. He hid me. In his shelter. And I, there are time and time again that the Lord has been so gracious to me. He still had plan, he still had purpose. And there have been many times in my life where I have of my own foolishness and folly have still tried to undermine the Lord's purposes for my life. But God has been gracious. So gracious. Wow. David David was confident because he knew the shelter of the Lord. Do you know what that imagery is that he's actually using here? 
in this text when he refers to the shelter or it's the King James English used the pavilion. Some of you read pavilion is the word that's there. Um, what he's, he's referring to, it, it used to refer, it would refer to a tent that was erected in the, the middle of a king's army. It was in the very, very, very middle. It was considered to be the safest place on the battlefield during that time. It was where the king was surrounded with his entire army and the, the bravest and most skilled soldiers would, immediate, would be immediately encircling the tent. And then the king and, 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 and those who he wanted would be in that tent, in that, that shelter. And those who were fortunate enough to be in that tent had the privilege of, of being in his, the king's presence and fellowshipping with him. Well, saints... We are blessed even more in the new covenant. Um, we're blessed to be in the shelter of the King of Kings and surrounded by the hosts of heaven. We are in the safest place in the universe when we are walking with the King in His shelter. Saints, in all honesty, our shelter now is not a place. It's a person. It's Jesus Christ. He is our Shelter. He is our shelter. Paul says in Colossians chapter 3 and verse number 3, For we have died and our life is now hidden with Christ in God. Christ hides us in the shelter of Himself. Wow. No demon can touch you in the shelter of Christ. Now they may lie to you, they may oppress you with their lies, but harm you at the core of who you are, they cannot. John said it well in 1 John chapter 5 and verse 18. We know that everyone born of God does not keep on sinning, but he who is born, uh, born of God, per, God protects, and the evil one does not touch him. End quote. Believers, the covenant knowledge of this shelter provides us with hope in times of trouble, and it encourages us for our endurance in the midst of what we face. You need to remind yourself, there is a shelter. And for us, His name is Jesus. There is a shelter. Wow. Number two, there is a place of secrecy. There is a place of secrecy. The text goes on to say, it says, He will conceal me under the cover of His tent. Literally, we're, we're, we're covered in the secret of His tabernacle. Now, the tabernacle conveys imagery of worship. Conveys imagery of worshiping the Lord. Worshiping in His presence. Um... Because the secret place of the tabernacle refers to the Holy of Holies. And if you'll remember, that's the place in, under the Old Covenant where the perfect presence of God would be manifest and would dwell. And only that was the place that only the, the, the high priest could enter at certain times of the year. Remember, they would tie a rope around him in case he, there, there was some sin or something not atoned for. He would drop dead in the holy presence of God and they'd drag him out because everybody else would be scared to go in and get him. 
Um, but God conceals the saints, hides us in His presence. And we can enter into that presence with confidence because of our Christ. Because of His atoning blood. Because of justification that comes because of His vicarious atoning sacrifice. We can enter into His presence. Great trouble we may have, but great facts of the new covenant we have to embrace like this. We are promised this over and over in the Bible. Jesus, for example, said, Lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. He says, Think, we're told, God, the Lord tells us, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. Um, when you walk through the valley of the shadow of death, he says, I am right there with you. I'm there. I, I conceal you in my presence. My presence is with you. You're not alone. I am with you. I am with you. He was with Stephen at the time of his death, was he not? As he was being stoned and he looked up in Acts 7 and what did he see? He saw Jesus standing at the right hand of the Father. He was with Paul. He was with Paul, 2 Corinthians 12, 1 through 4, Acts 22, verse 23. See, it's possible for us to enter that sacred secret place with the harsh voice of the accuser is silenced whereas lying assaults on our minds are silenced or at least put into perspective wow number three there is a place of security you see not only is there a place of shelter? Not only is there a place of secrecy, but David and you and I who are born again have the assuring joy of knowing that there is a place of security. The secret shelter of the Almighty is no questionable shack. It's no lean too easily blown over by the winds of a storm. You see... We are in a stable and secure place. David goes on to write at the end of verse number 5. David goes on to write. He says, He will lift me high upon a rock. This is security. You say, how do you know that, Pastor? Well, David writes about this rock in another psalm. He writes about it. Over in Psalm 40, verses 1 and 2. Let me share it with you. He said, I waited patiently for the Lord, and He inclined to me and heard my cry. He drew me up from the pit of destruction out of the miry bog and set my feet upon a rock, making my steps secure. End quote. You hear that? It made His steps secure. David made a step secure. It's a securing place, a place of security. David has the securing assurance in the turbulent and tumultuous trials of this life. God lifts him high and he puts him on an unchangeable, immovable rock. 
A rock that is actually, it's actually a reference to God Himself. And in the light of the New Testament, we know that the rock upon which you and I stand that brings us security is none other than, guess who? Jesus Christ Himself. Now that's glorious truth. To know that. That we are standing on the rock of Jesus Christ. Notice in verse 5, the passive nature of that verse. David does not do anything to make his shelter or security a reality. It is God's work, God's faithful covenant promise that makes these a reality. It is all of God. It is all of God. And it was a reality then and it's a reality even more now, saints, because of the gospel Because we see more clearly through the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that is powerful truth. The faith encouraging and fear fighting facts of the covenant ought to cause each believer in here tonight. We ought to rejoice in that. We ought to rejoice because... That was the response of David immediately to the things he talked about in verse 5. David's immediate response to thinking about the shelter of the Lord and thinking about the secrecy, the hidden, concealing place of the Lord and thinking about the stabilizing rock of the Lord. His immediate response and reaction, what does he do? In verse number 6, he says this, And now... In other words, because of verse 5, here comes verse 6. And now, and now, I shall, my head shall be lifted up above my enemies all around me. And I will offer in his tent sacrifices with shouts of joy. I will sing and make melody to the Lord. <laughs> Hallelujah. That's good stuff. Christian, meditating on the truth of verse 5 lifts our head high above the lies of the enemy the accuser of the brethren Satan himself we're often intimidated by those lies but I'm telling you meditating on truths like this will help you when they come and it's a moment by moment battle The war never ends. The fight never ends. The fight never ends. Well, tonight, I invite you, saint, to rejoice in these truths that you have. As a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, as somebody who's been saved, struggling you might be, worn out you might be, Torn and tattered you might be. Wounded you might be. Scarred you might be. All of those things could be the result of your own folly in your own hands. But I'm telling you, return to the Lord and rest in Him. Let Him be your shelter. Let Him be your place, your concealing place of secrecy. Let Him be... Discover Him as your place of security. Do so. I'm going to ask every head bowed and every eye closed.